So I'm going to be sharing excerpts of this Tucker Carlson uh, interview with uh, President Putin from Russia. And I, I just want to say a few things before we get started. Um, number one, uh, I, I really wanted to wait. Um, usually this interview happened yesterday and a lot of content creators and, and uh, independent journalists, mainstream media, legacy media, and people like me, uh, you know, uh, they, they, it's really imperative that they get things out quickly. And so I'm sure you've already saw a lot of videos talking about this interview, analyzing this interview, summing it up, et cetera, et cetera. But I really wanted to take my time and study this interview, which I've watched more than three times now, the full entire interview. Um, I'm obviously not going to share the entire interview. I'm going to talk about four major things that Putin said. And this is also coming from, just in case you didn't know, as the title suggests, it's coming from somebody who studies Aristotelian rhetorical principles from 2,000 years ago that are still relevant today. Audience, purpose, message, ethos, pathos, logos. As well as the fact that I'm a communications expert. I've taught at some of the most prestigious universities in the world uh, when it comes to business communications. And so it's coming from that perspective. But um, let's get right into it. So the four, so I just want to give that as a preface. So the four things that I'm going to be focusing on are when he discusses, you know, U.S. foreign policy. He discusses, you know, what we're doing in our domestic policy, specifically talking about our, our deficit and our border crisis. I'm going to also uh, look at what he says when he talks about China and he talks about, is there really a necessity for uh, collaborating with the U.S.? Um, also, we're going to talk about his mentioning of American decline, the perception of the American decline, which you might have missed, uh, as well as we're going to talk about, you know, when Tucker asks him pointedly, why did you start? What was the trigger point for the Ukraine war? So you're going to get that as well as when Tucker asks him again, very Tucker did a great job very directly. Um, what do you, why don't you just pick up the phone and call Biden? Listen to what he, when you, when we get to that, so stick around, watch this entire video. You don't want to miss it. There's not going to be another video on the entire internet. That's like this examining this interview with Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin, the beginning of the interview. And by the way, I'll leave a link to the entire interview in the description, in the comments, uh, you know, the, and you can also just Google this online. It's everywhere. It's gotten hundreds of millions of views by now, far surpassing anything mainstream media can do combined. I mean, all the networks combined, as well as his old network, Fox News. I mean, it has broken Twitter. It's broken YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can find it online, but I'll also leave a link in the description just for your convenience. He really, um, one thing I just want to say as well before we get into these components is from what happened at Biden's press conference yesterday in the dastardly embarrassing meltdown and misidentification of the Egyptian president as the president of Mexico, alluding to this notion that Mexico borders Israel and Gaza. And then listening to, and just a million other things about our president, which just makes adds another gray hair to my already graying head. The beginning of the interview with Tucker Carlson, Putin, I'm, I'm not, there's no sides here. I'm really purely looking at this from a semantics, linguistic, communications, persuasive, rhetorical uh, lens. 
goes off with this encyclopedic knowledge of, I mean, over a thousand years of history almost, it seems like. I mean, hundreds of years, not a thousand, hundreds of years of history, of Russian history, going back to the ninth century. Um, he's he's just some few things. It's, I, and I was very bored with the beginning of the interview, by the way. I was extremely bored. I thought it was interesting, but I thought also he was filibusting Tucker, and I think Tucker should have called him on that a little bit sooner. He kind of went on. I mean, it really, the interview doesn't really get cooking until 30, 45 minutes in, maybe even an hour. And uh, But I was just... I marveled at how, you know, uh, what we've been told about this individual, what we've been told about the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, as being somebody ill, somebody demented, mentally gone, um, deranged, psychopathic even. There was zero evidence of that when I watched this interview. There was zero um, concrete, substantive examples that I could gather again communications expert that there was anything wrong with this if anything he displayed a vast sobering intelligent calculated deliberate uh grasp and cognizance uh which far superseded what we saw and it pains me to say this because i love my country more than anybody what we saw from biden so having said that, let's jump into a couple of the questions. Uh, we'll watch the clip. I'll analyze it together. We'll talk about this. Maybe a little bit of a long video, but I promise you it's going to be worth it, especially if you've been watching all these other videos on Tucker Carlson as, and, and as well as maybe you even haven't even seen the interview. I'm giving you the real kind of, I think, best excerpts, the most, uh, I think, impactful question and answers and uh really the best components of the entire interview so let's let's get cooking with clip number one okay this first clip is really short but really interesting and i want you to notice his body language i want you to notice how he talks about this when he says you know tucker asks him about uh you know the u.s pretty much engaging in a proxy war and then this demonstrative display or i could say condemnation which I think a lot of Americans, I think this resonates with a lot of Americans. Listen to how Putin responds to this. Do the United States need this? What for? Thousands of miles away from your national territory. Don't you have anything better to do? You have issues on the border, issues with migration, issues with the national debt more than 33 trillion dollars you have nothing better to do so you should fight in ukraine wouldn't it be better to negotiate with russia make an agreement already understanding the situation that is developing today realizing that russia will fight for its interests to the end and realizing this actually return to common sense start respecting our country and its interests and look for certain solutions it seems to me that this is much smarter it's hard to argue with the man um i don't take this at face value i think that and you'll you'll see later on that you know this is a typical maneuver done by communicators and done by debaters etc etc where they uh kind of posture as being so innocent and you know we're the hey why, why don't you guys just work it out no 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 You've had two years. Uh, it, it, it's it's on both sides of the equation. It needs to come from both sides, not just one side. 
I, I'm seeing a lot of, especially people from the right and maybe more independent, conservative-leaning creators and uh, commentators are, are, are talking about how, yeah, see, Putin wants peace, and see, he, he doesn't want it. Well, wait, 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 wait. He says that you got to, if you're taking everything this guy who's been, you know, known to be a dictator for over 20 years, he's been president since 2000. Can you imagine if Biden was president since 2000, Obama, Trump? This guy's been president for 24 years. Uh, he's no, he's definitely not stupid. But do we have better things to do? You better believe it. And the fact that he has this amazing wherewithal of what's happening in our country, our $33 tr trillion debt, the fact that our border crisis, which 60 Minutes just did a special on, where it's, it's not just South American immigrants, it's also a heavy number of Chinese immigrants that they're actually finding maps and pathways and, and directions directly from TikTok. There's TikToks sharing instructions and maps to get into our country easily without any subterfuge, clandestine, or any problems or obstacles at all. He, he brings up some very, very poignant points there. However, him acting innocent and saying, why don't you come to the table? Why don't you come make a, terms with us? Why don't you understand that Russia's never going to back down, etc., etc.? I find it hard to believe that we haven't exercised those options yet. And I would have liked it if Tucker would have done a little pushback on that and say, well, why don't, and he kind of does later, and we'll talk about the next video, uh, maybe a couple of videos down. I think it's really uh, interesting how his, you know, uh, characterization of our foreign policy, his characterization of our priorities is pretty spot on. What do you think? Let me know in the comments what you think of that excerpt and what do you think of what I'm saying? Do you agree, disagree? I'd love to hear from you. But on to the next, uh, let's go to the next clip here. Okay, so this is the moment where Tucker asks President Putin directly, he says, what was the moment you decided that you had to do this? Listen to this and then we'll, we'll talk about it. What was the trigger for you? What was the moment where you decided you had to do this? Initially, it was the coup in Ukraine that provoked the conflict. By the way, back then the representatives of three European countries, Germany, Poland and France, arrived. They were the guarantors of the signed agreement between the government of Yanukovych and the opposition. They signed it as guarantors. Despite that, the opposition committed a coup and all these countries pretended that they didn't remember that they were guarantors of the peaceful settlement. They just threw it in the stove right away, and nobody recalls that. I don't know if the U.S. know anything about the agreement between the opposition and the authorities and its three guarantors who, instead of bringing this whole situation back in the political field, supported the coup. Although it was meaningless, believe me, because President Yanukovych agreed to all conditions. He was ready to hold an early election, which he had no chance of winning, frankly speaking. Everyone knew that. Then why the coup? Why the victims? Why threatening Crimea? Why launching an operation in Donbas? This I do not understand. That is exactly what the miscalculation is. CIA did its job to complete the coup. 
I think one of the deputy secretaries of state said that it cost a large sum of money, almost five billion. But the political mistake was colossal. Why would they have to do that? All this could have been done legally, without victims, without military action, without losing Crimea. We would have never considered to even lift a finger if it hadn't been for the bloody developments on Maidan. Because we agreed with the fact that after the collapse of the Soviet Union, our borders should be along the borders of former Union's republics. We agreed to that, but we never agreed to NATO's expansion and, moreover, we never agreed that Ukraine would be in NATO. You can tell he's getting very animated here. This is one of those parts of the interview where I don't think I've seen him this animated. And you can see that the more animated that he gets, the more physicality and kinetic energy he exhibits, the more he is speaking from a place of true belief and maybe even true passion and so whether or not we believe it or not you know again he paints a great picture very lawyer-esque he's an amazing persuader um using ethos using uh logos and pathos where the passion comes in and the personal storytelling of when he talked about his road trip in the 80s you know through ukraine uh, you know when he was a young man he does a great job of painting this narrative, starting with the ethos of Russian history and how these lands originally belong to the sovereign state of the USSR, which then collapsed uh, and then uh, uh, turned into Russia, which Russia became free, became more democratic. Uh, and he pleads with, you know, why, why, why didn't the U.S., why did the U.S. reject us? Why did the U.S. reject us? Which Tucker even commented on this, and I tend to agree he definitely seems deeply wounded and hurt by the rejection of the West of Russia. But I cannot, with any semblance of intelligence and logic, think that he is this innocent baby fawn deer in this entire debacle and chaos that he finds himself in. It's impossible. So you have to take that for a grain of salt. We did not agree to NATO bases there without any discussion with us. For decades, we kept asking, don't do this, don't do that. Asking. And what triggered the latest events? Firstly, the current Ukrainian leadership declared that it would not implement the Minsk agreements. A lot of shrugging, you notice, in his body, a lot of leaning back, a lot of raising the hands in frustration in, in this paint again trying to create the illusion of innocence there's 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 this constant case that putin is trying to present which i find extremely hard to believe but i'd love to hear what you have to say but you can't say he's not intelligent you can't say it may not be a coherent argument the co the cohesiveness of what he's saying throughout the two hour and ten minute whatever interview may not be entirely cohesive but he's doing a good job of presenting himself as somebody who is a competent, accomplished, there's a reason why he's been in power for 24 uh, years. Let's put it that way. Which had been signed, as you know, after the events of 2014 in Minsk, where the plan of peaceful settlement in Donbas was set forth. But now the current Ukrainian leadership, foreign minister, all other officials, and then president himself said that they don't like anything about the Minsk agreements. In other words, they were not going to implement it. 
прямо сказали, что подписывали A year or a year and a half ago, former leaders of Germany and France said openly to the whole world that they indeed signed the Minsk agreements, but they never intended to implement them. They simply led us by the nose. Okay, so again, there's there's innocence, a claim that Western nations, Western Empire did not Uh, uphold and honor their contracts and not honor their agreements. Um, I find that very, very hard to believe. This is where I think it would be very poignant if Biden gave a very lengthy, he would, he would achieve so much. He would achieve all the growing, rising fears and concerns over his mental state, but also maybe go point by point, do what I'm doing here, go point by point and say, nope, that's incorrect. Nope, he didn't try to reach out. Nope, he didn't do this. Nope, there was no agreement. This was the agreement. This is exact. And do it in a fastidious, calm, sober, intelligent, calculated, deliberate, masterful way if you want to prove to the American public that you're fit for office as well as You know, this kind of information, I mean, this this video has over hundreds of millions of views by now. It's going to get even more. So this is out there. Putin is, this is the master PR campaign for Putin. I applaud Tucker Carlson. I wish he would have done a little more interrupting. I wish he would, and I understand you're on his home turf, probably a big ask and probably difficult to do, but you're a competent journalist, I think. I would have liked a little more interruption. I would have liked a little more uh, a pushback of, oh, wait a minute, hold on a second. Now, what do you say to people who say, well, yeah, you say that, but 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 it's hard to believe that everybody else reneged on their agreement and you're just this innocent kind of, uh, you know, uh, innocent uh, victim. It's it's just it doesn't it doesn't add up. Let me know what you think in the comments. Let's move on to the next uh, the next clip. Okay, so here we have Tucker asking him about Russia possibly invading other countries, possibly invading other lands. Uh, namely Poland. Let's 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 watch this clip together. I think you're referring to is a Russian invasion of Poland, Latvia, expansionist behavior. Is can you imagine a scenario where you sent Russian troops to Poland? Only in one case, if Poland attacks Russia. Why? Because we have no interest in Poland, Latvia or anywhere else. Why would we do that? We simply don't have any interest. It's just threat-mongering. Well, the argument, I know you know this, is that, well, he invaded Ukraine, he has territorial aims across Here the continent, is. and you're saying unequivocally you don't. So before he answers that, the reason I'm showing this clip is because there is a widespread, you don't want to call it fear-mongering, but there's a lot of experts from our country, from other Western countries, you know, our allies, et cetera, et cetera, who are saying, well, if he's going to invade Ukraine, this guy's an expansionist. This guy is a, he's a Hitler-esque uh, uh, demon of a dictator comparable to the worst dictators of all time. He's going to invade other countries. So that's why this this question gets gets asked. Mm. It is absolutely out of the question. Very adamant. You just don't have to be any kind of analyst. It goes against common sense to get involved in some kind of a global war. And a global war will bring all humanity to the brink of destruction. It's obvious. 
There are certainly means of deterrence. They have been scaring everyone with us all along. It seems it has territorial aims across the continent. Because if you watch this, watch it how adamant he is with his body language and his direct eye contact. There's other times where he looks away from Tucker or he looks around or he looks kind of to the ground or he laughs to himself uh, in a kind of, uh, you know, garish sort of uh, uh, chuckle to himself. But but look at how poignant and how direct he is here like with the eye contact. Absolutely not. It is absolutely out of the question. You just don't have to be any kind of analyst. It goes against common sense to get involved in some kind of a global war. And a global war will bring all humanity to the brink of destruction. It's obvious. There are certainly means of deterrence. They have been scaring everyone with us all along. Tomorrow Russia will use tactical nuclear weapons. Tomorrow That clip specifically because there's so much talk of Putin being this uh, expansionist, this globalist who, if he's going to invade Ukraine, he's going to invade Vienna, he's going to invade Poland, he's going to invade uh, uh, Latvia, he's going to, you know, this, this, there's all this uh, rhetoric that's being tossed about kind of recklessly, if you ask me. Label him as the next Hitler? Holy mackerel. I mean, talk about vilifying. Talk about demonizing. And so it's interesting that he responded in such emphatic ways. I mean, very, very key here. So, okay, so let's check out the next um, clip. I'd love to hear from you, too. Let me know in the comments what you think of that. Okay, so here's where he kind of... <laughs> This is kind of a funny clip. The war, though, also, I mean, I just want to, I guess I want to ask one more question, which is, and maybe you don't want to say so for strategic reasons, but are you worried that what's happening in Ukraine could lead to something much larger and much more horrible? And how motivated are you just to call the U.S. government and say, let's come to terms? I already said that we did not refuse to talk. We are willing to negotiate. It is the Western side, and Ukraine is obviously a satellite state of the US. It is evident. I do not want you to take it as if I am looking for a strong word or an insult, but we both understand what is happening. The financial support, 72 billion US dollars was provided. Germany ranks second, then other European countries come. Dozens of billions of US dollars are going to Ukraine. There's a huge influx of weapons. In this case, you should tell the current Ukrainian leadership to stop and come to negotiating table, rescind this absurd decree. We did not refuse. Sure, but you already said it. I didn't think you meant it as an insult because you already said correctly, it's been reported that Ukraine was prevented from negotiating a peace settlement by the former British Prime Minister acting on behalf of the Biden administration. So of course they're a satellite. Big countries control small countries. That's not new. And that's why I asked about dealing directly with the Biden administration, which is making these decisions, not President Zelensky of Ukraine. Ну, если администрация Зеленского на Украине отказалась от переговоров, 
Well, if the Zelensky administration in Ukraine refused to negotiate, I assume they did it under the instruction from Washington. If Washington believes it to be the wrong decision, so he's very, uh, he's he's very emphatic. He's very um, confident in his communication when he talks about how we were the ones who tried to initiate peace. But notice how much he looks away when he answers this, when Tucker kind of gives, which I applaud him for this, a little pushback. Yep. Directly with the Biden administration, which is making these decisions, not President Zelensky of Ukraine. Notice the eye contact. He doesn't look at Tucker until after he says this full sentence. Well, if the Zelensky administration in Ukraine refused to negotiate, I assume they did it under the instruction from Washington. If Washington believes it to be the wrong decision, let it abandon it. Let it find a delicate excuse so that no one is insulted. Let it come up with a way out. It was not us who made this decision, it was them. So let them go back on it, that is it. However, they made the wrong decision and now we have to look for a way out of the situation to correct their mistakes. They did it, so let them correct it themselves. We support this. So I just want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding what you're saying. I don't think that I am. I think you're saying you want a negotiated settlement to what's happening in Ukraine. <laughs> right. And we made it. We prepared the huge document in Istanbul that was initialed by the head of the Ukrainian delegation. He affixed his signature to some of the provisions, not to all of it. He put his signature and then he himself said, we were ready to sign it and the war would have been over long ago, 18 months ago. However, Prime Minister Johnson came, talked us out of it, and we missed that chance. Well, you missed it, you made a mistake, let them get back to that, that is all. Why do we have to bother ourselves and correct somebody else's mistakes? Well, because people are dying. I know one can say it is our mistake. It was us who intensified the situation and decided to put an end to the war that started in 2014 in Donbas. As I have already said, by means of weapons. Let me get back to furthering history. I already told you this. We were just discussing it. Let us go back to 1990 when we were promised that NATO would not expand to 2000. Right there, there should have been some pushback. Right there would have been a perfect opportunity. Tucker just kind of nods and says, yeah, sure, go right into your spiel of history. And he even, I think, commented on this uh, after uh, the interview and said, you know, I just... He went on and on and on, and it wasn't very coherent, etc., etc. Um, he should have pushed back on this. So, so you had an agreement in Istanbul. So tell us more. What do you mean by, I mean, you need to unpack that prime minister of England, uh, um, Johnson, Boris Johnson, in her feet. What are you talking about? That wasn't talked about. What were the provisions? What didn't they agree to? What were, what were really entailed in those provisions? I would have liked more there, Tucker. Tucker, I would have liked more. It seemed that Putin dominated this entire interview. Um, he he presented himself well. Uh, he presented himself as somebody who 
um, really demonstrated why he's been the leader for 24 years, why he's held power for such a long period of time. Um, he didn't convince me. I don't know if he convinced you. I'd love to hear from you. Um, but I think Tucker should have done a little bit of a better job of interfering more, not letting him steer the direction. And almost, you know, like a like a kind of really good, accomplished Supreme Court judge or what have you, saying, look, look, counselor, you're you're pontificating, you're 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 rambling, this is off topic. We need to make this concise. We need answers. We need directness. Stop. You're you're grandstanding here. You're telling you're going on you're 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 doing too much yarn, spinning way too many yarns here. He should have done a little bit more of that. Okay, last clip. So here's the last clip that I want to share with you, which I think is really interesting. And he says here. Um, well, actually, there's two more clips. So this, the next clip is, you know, uh, how he talks about his relationship with uh, President Xi Jinping of China. This is scary. I think we should all we should all look at this very, very carefully, and we'll talk about this. Check out this clip here. So you said a moment ago that the world would be a lot better if it weren't broken into competing alliances, if there was cooperation globally. One of the reasons you don't have that is because the current American administration is dead set against you. Do you think if there were a new administration after Joe Biden that you would be able to reestablish communication with the U.S. government? Or does it not matter who the president is? I will tell you, but let me finish the previous thought. We, together with my colleague and friend, President Xi Jinping, set a goal to reach $200 billion of mutual trade with China this year. We have exceeded this level. According to our figures, our bilateral trade with China totals already $230 billion, and the Chinese statistics says it is $240 billion. One more important thing. Our trade is well-balanced, mutually complementary in high-tech, energy, scientific research and development. It is very balanced. As for BRICS, where Russia took over the presidency this year, the BRICS countries are, by and large, developing very rapidly. Look, if memory serves me right, Back in 1992, the share of the G7 countries in the world economy amounted to 47%, whereas in 2022 it was down to, I think, a little over 30%. The BRICS countries accounted for only 16% in 1992, but now their share is greater than that of the G7. It has nothing to do with the events in Ukraine. This is due to the trends of global development and world economy, as I mentioned just now. And this is inevitable. This will keep happening. It is like the rise of the sun. You cannot prevent the sun from rising. You have to adapt to it. How do the United States adapt? With the help of force, sanctions, pressure, bombings, and use of armed forces. This is about self-conceit. Your political establishment does not understand that the world is changing under objective circumstances. And in order to preserve your level, 
even if someone aspires, pardon me, to the level of dominance, you have to make the right decisions in a competent and timely manner. Such brutal actions, including with regard to Russia and, say, other countries, are counterproductive. This is an obvious fact. It has already become evident. Very, uh, wow, I mean, very extremely um, condemning of America. I mean, he really, you notice his body language, he got real close. He leaned in, hand forceful, eye contact fierce. You guys, you guys made a mistake. You guys don't know what it means. You don't understand how the world is adapting. He could only be speaking to our leadership. He could only be speaking to our leadership. That's not you as in Tucker Carlson or you or I. He's talking about our leadership. So there's a lot of things happening in that. Talking about President Xi of China, the collaboration there. Talking about G7, which if you remember those videos that went viral of Putin being isolated at these conferences and summits in Europe um, and, and how sad and disappointed it seemed and how uh, the isolation, the alienation that was uh, directed to him and, and, or, or lack thereof, um, it was it's, it's his, his anger, his hurt, his woundedness is very apparent in that clip right there. So really, really interesting stuff. It, it kind of got me upset, kind of got me angry of how even more angry at our current administration because these guys can talk to us like we're a third world country. He's treating the United States of America, talking to them in the light that's like, you guys are just pawns, you're babies. Me and me and China, we're the real leaders of the free world. Um, with not so many, in not so many words, but, but it, there's this indirect underlying undertone of a message it just kind of got me pissed off a little bit. I'm a little angry right now, like even watching that again. But let's continue. I'd love to hear from you. What do you guys think? Let me know in the comments. I would love, love to hear from you. I try to respond to all the comments personally. Okay. The last clip. Why don't you just work it out? Why don't you just work it out with Biden? This is where he says something that, this is the last clip I'm going to show. Um, this is where he said something really, really interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Let's let's take a look at this right. But but, but you haven't spoken to him since before February of 2022. No, we haven't spoken. Certain contacts are being maintained, though. Speaking of which. Do you remember what I told you about my proposal to work together on a missile defense system? You can ask all of them. All of them are safe and sound, thank God. The former president, Condoleezza, is safe and sound, and I think Mr. Gates and the current director of the intelligence agency, Mr. Burns, the then ambassador to Russia, in my opinion, are very yes. successful ambassador. They were all witnesses to these conversations. Ask them. Same here. If you are interested in what Mr. President Biden responded to me, ask him. At you know any rate, I talked to. Aware of, which is so interesting, 
what I want, I want to look at you guys real fast. Hold on. This is hugely important. And this has to do with ethos and credibility. He's hyperbolically aware of the perception of himself, which denotes intelligence, which denotes a very high level of self-awareness. Self-awareness to me is synonymous with intelligence. He is very, very cognizant of how he's perceived by us Americans because of how he's portrayed in our mainstream legacy media, because of how he's portrayed in Western media across the world, uh, maybe even some Eastern media as well. He's very aware of that. So he constantly goes back to ethos. He brings in a stack of documents. In case you don't believe me, we have archives. He comes. If you don't remember, I didn't show that clip, but he. this is the boring part that I didn't really like too much in the beginning of the interview, the Tucker Carlson interview with him. Um, he says, if you don't believe me, there's witnesses. If you don't believe me, ask George Bush Sr. He was there. There were other people there. He is very, very aware of the perception of him, of how this muddled, muddy, uh, a dark perception of him, this perception of him being deranged, being a lunatic, being a dictator like Hitler, being a liar, being a KGB, ex-KGB, and he hasn't left the, the, the badge of KGB on the desk where he should have as the now premier and president of this huge nation. Um, he's a spy, he's, he's very manipulative, etc., etc., etc. He's very aware of that. So his, his repeated mention that, hey, there were people there, there were witnesses there. You can ask Condoleezza, you can ask him, you can ask her. The president was there. I have files, I have archives, I have documents. Ethos, credibility. Don't just take my word for it. I've said this a lot in my classes. I've said this a lot in my videos. Don't just take my word for it. Always do your own critical thinking. Exercise your own sovereignty, critical discernment. That's the aim of this channel. I got to give him massive credit for that. I have to give him very, very big kudos for that because um, it shows a heightened sense of self-awareness, which I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if our current president even has an idea where he is half the time. I say that seriously, by the way. I'm not saying that facetiously. Okay, let's get back to this. To him about it. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested, but... From the outside, it seems like this could devolve or evolve into something that brings the entire world into conflict and could um, initiate some, a nuclear launch. And so why don't you just call Biden and say, let's work this out? What's there to work out? It's very simple. I repeat, we have contacts through various agencies. I will tell you what we are saying on this matter and what we are conveying to the U.S. leadership. If you really want to stop fighting, you need to stop supplying weapons. It will be over within a few weeks. That's it. And then we can agree on some terms. Before you do that, stop. What's easier? Why would I call him? What should I talk to him about? Or beg him for what? And, and what messages do you get back? You're going to deliver such and such weapons to Ukraine? Oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, please don't. What is there to talk about? Do you think NATO is worried about this becoming a global <clears throat> war or a nuclear conflict? 
at least that's what they're talking about and they're trying to intimidate their own population with an imaginary Russian threat this is an obvious fact and thinking people not Philistines but thinking people analysts those who are engaged in real politics just smart people understand perfectly well that this is a fake they're okay so let me wow okay so this is probably the excerpt that i find to be the most damning of putin and everything that he said prior to this becomes moot uh, and I wish that Tucker would have pressed him on this and he really didn't he kind of let him get I think Tucker let him off the hook here I know I'm gonna probably get some I'd love to hear what you guys think let me know in the comments, but What good would it do? Mr. President? What's the use? The 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 narcissism and the ego is really coming out here. Let's let's be honest I mean as calculating and smart and intelligent as some of these leaders come across uh, you know, I think of Obama, and I've said this many, many times, eloquence is not synonymous with intelligence. Just because you have a grasp of vocabulary does not make you intelligent. You need to critically think. You need to assess. You need to analyze. Intelligence is much, much deeper and nuanced than that. What's the point? Why should I do that? It's very simple. You, you, you can't pick up the phone and just say, hey, man, this, this, do you want this to stop or not? Like, uh, are you tired of people dying? Are you tired of people being held captive? Are you tired of send? Are, are you tired of sending money to Ukraine and you're 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 losing this election? Your people are getting pissed off. Your own people are pissed off that you're sending all this money when people like you know normal Americans are starving and not starving necessarily, but I mean some are. But I mean struggling big time is not an exaggeration. It's not a hyperbole. I think that really made him look um, made him look like the the villain that most people paint him out to be. I think uh, President Putin made a grave mistake there. I think he, the arrogance was on full full display in three dimensions right there. Um, so I, I I I don't think that was a I, I don't think that that was how he wanted to come across. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's how he wants to come across to his own people because his own people definitely watched this interview as well. But I would have liked to have seen, as somebody who wants this to end, and I hope you do too, um, I would have liked to have seen him you know, respond and say, you know, uh, either say that I've tried or either say that, you know, the ball's in his court, I've left messages, I don't know. It sounds like a real uh, tick for tack, uh, tick for taff, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, bad relationship here. And, and somebody just needs to be mediate this and be like, guys, enough is enough. You're destroying your families. So let's let's get this resolved right now. Arrogance, narcissism, egocentrism, uh, wounded narcissism is a dangerous thing. Wounded narcissism is a very, very dangerous thing. What I believe we have here with the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, is we have a man who is a narcissist and who is wounded. And that is a dangerous combination. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I, I pass this on to you. I know this is a very long video, but I, I really wanted to wait and give it the breadth and depth that I hope that I conveyed. Let me know if I did it wrong. It's my aim to make the best content possible. It's my aim to bring us together, to look at things critically, 
to look at things from a perspective of intelligence, thoughtfulness, critical discernment, so we can arrive at some type of truth, some type of objectivity, some type of practicality, which affects everything we do in life, which affects every decision that we make in life, especially the most important decisions happening in this year of our Lord, 2024, what I call the most consequential year in American history in the past 150 years, maybe since the Civil War. So I'd love to hear from you guys. What did you guys think of this analysis? What did you think of the interview? What did you think of Tucker? What did you think of Putin? What did you think of some of the answers? Do you believe him? Do you not believe him? Um, do you have a different uh, kind of perspective? Do you have a different um, critique on him? Did, did your perception change of him? Did it stay the same? I would love love to hear from you let me know in the comments i try to respond to every comment personally myself i know i miss a few but i try really really hard make sure you check out these videos right here before you go subscribe hitting that button right down there follow in the pin comment is our free newsletter don't miss out on that and as always god bless these united states god bless you and i'll see you soon